career and, and beyond as well. Killian Burns is with us. He's obviously uh, part of successful teams at under 21 and senior level at One All Ireland with Pawdy as manager. You're um, involved in the Comortis. Uh, tell us a little bit about the history and tradition of it and, and uh, how well it's going this year. It was going back since uh, 1987. I think it was uh, a couple of teams up around the west coast, Galway Mayo, who had contacted Pawdy and said, you know, we'd love to have a challenge down before the league kicks off. And he decided to invite Dingle along and they had a four-man tournament and that was the start of it really he felt that um, you know they, they not only had a good couple of games of football but they enjoyed themselves at night as well and, uh, and he saw an opportunity to promote I suppose the pub and also then to promote uh, West Kerry yeah because there is a real sense of it, it being um, a huge obviously this is a, a time of the year when people aren't travelling in mass numbers and yet I don't know is it 40 odd teams? there is 48 actually uh, 24 women and 24 men so um there's an amazing turnout this year. It's a truly international kind of uh, festival. I think uh, he's very, very happy wherever he is looking on at this point because uh, his dream was to attract people from all over the world. And this year there's seven countries involved. There's Belgium and Spain. There's a team from Germany, Munich. Um, Dunedin from Scotland. You've got Cardiff team. You've got six teams from England. And, uh, and you've about 13 counties from Donegal to Kerry so like it really is a sensational one to do this time of year to come down to a place that's very much forgotten for six months of the year and then it's a bit of a tourist spot obviously yeah. Dingle um, but then to go beyond Dingle and to promote that I'd say he, he really got turned on from that you know the, um, I was talking to a couple of members of the, the Edinburgh team and they were saying that uh, Paddy rang up the chairman and said how are you doing this is um, Paddy O'Shea I managed Kerry and I played a bit for them myself I'd like to invite you to our tournament and your man was like ah yeah this is one of my mates winding me up here but, but he actually he himself went out and was the ambassador for the tournament and, and for the whole area yeah well you know I was talking to a couple of the Cardiff uh, team there yesterday a fellow from Cork actually it's obviously half the, you know most of them are obviously Irish that have emigrated or settled elsewhere and they'd, they'd actually agreed to come along to the tournament but Paddy insisted on going out, met them all, met the most of them that are here t this, this weekend uh, would have met him face to face along with um, his trusted pal John L who travelled with him 
and uh, and they were kind of going, listen, we, we, we'd already agreed to come over. And he says, well, look, at, if you'd agreed to come over, the least I could do is come over and see you first. So that was the kind of man that he was. He loved that face-to-face personal touch, you know, and I think that's what he got a buzz off as people. And... Uh, and so they really appreciated that and they, they came back in spades but I suppose he, he was all his, his thing was they, they come back and they enjoyed themselves over the weekend and play some decent football and uh, I suppose it, it was about leaving a good taste in their mouth you know and, if, and they'd have a taste of more to come back in the future Yeah and, and I presume teams do come back because it seems like it's a brilliant brilliant weekend it, yeah, Cooley Kickhams are, are coming for three in a row now. So they're, 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 uh, they've dropped actually from the senior level down to intermediate. So I don't know if that's a reflection of the Comortes or, or their own football up and loud. But um, they love the place. Uh, there, there have been definitely lots of teams that have come back. And now there's, there's uh, I suppose, in the last couple of years since it's kind of got, went into the ladies' areas, he said he was uh, very fond of gender balance when he realised they'd stay back in the pub later than going to Dingle. And uh, so it, it's great now that it, they have the women and the men involved. And, uh, and yeah, there are people are knocking down the doors to get involved in the tournament year on year. So, I mean, this is, it's the, we, we checked around and there's a sevens competition in Dublin with 42 teams. There are several t- uh, competitions all over the world, but none with 48 teams in one tournament. So it's the biggest adult game uh, world uh, GA gathering of clubs. So it's a it's a it's a great success. And it, a, it's it's not an easy logistical thing to do either to put 48 teams around pitches, games, get them all run off over the course of one weekend. But no, it isn't. There's already been uh, first round games in 24 pitches all over the Dingle Peninsula, stretching as far back in as Beaufort, Lestroy, Kiel, lots of, lots of uh, clubs in Tralee have given their pitches, the Gaeltook pitch, of course, Dingle, um, Aunascall, Castle Gregory. I mean, the whole peninsula is involved in this and it's a real kind of... Uh, Affair where a lot of people got involved in the committee after Paddy's passing, and uh, so you've got Paddy White organising all the referees. You've John L doing John L O'Sullivan, who's doing all the accommodation. There's 120 odd houses booked back here. There's uh, a lot, all the hotels in town are booked. There's B and B's booked, so it's worth a lot to the economy, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a really brilliant thing, and I I think as well, kind of, it's only when you get down here you realise because from miles coming in, you kind of start seeing the the uh, the ads up for the Comortis. You think this is actually a really big thing for a whole community of people, and I I I wonder did Paddy realise that when he was alive that it was such a powerful unifying thing for the entire peninsula. Well, when he was when he was ringing the uh, the chairman of the Australasian uh, GA board going back there a number of months ago when he was on hunt for teams, as I said, you know, visited all forty eight teams this year. He was already out to, out to him talking about maybe getting a Chinese team on board or an outer Mongolian team on board. As Michal Murhartig said at the day of the launch, he said that they'd be the men for Ardo Voher. But um, so he always, uh, he always shot high. Uh, he managed to cajole people along uh, all the way along. Uh, he's had a Taoiseach of the day involved in the launch ever since its inception, which is a great feat since 1989. So he's been through them all. He's apolitical when it comes to the launch of the Comortes in Dublin. <laughs> There's a real talent involved in that as well. How's it actually going in terms of the, the quality of the football and everything that's happened so far already? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting dribs and drabs of scores in there. I suppose the big one was the, the, uh, Dingle, who would be in, in recent years would be quite prominent. They, they would have got to the county final last year and lost to Croaks. And obviously we know Croaks lost recently in the semi-final. So uh, in the same competition, going back to Kerry and... Uh, so they were well, well beaten by Oliver Plunkett. And I think J.O. might be dropping into us a little yeah, later on as well. Yeah, he's on his way. He's on his way, just fresh off a game, actually. Um, 
So, uh, and the Grails looked to Vol, so one, so they're, they're still in it from a Kerry side. My own newly, uh, newly appointed uh, club of Castle Gregory, where I moved a year ago, uh, they, they've actually won their first game against Knockbride of Mayo, or Knockbride of Cavan, actually. Knockbride had Larry O'Reilly playing with them, who I soldiered against. He played in uh, 1996 against us in an All-Ireland Under-21 final, and uh, in 97 in the semi-final, actually, with Pawdy as the manager. Yeah, yeah very good. I'm going to ask you about that uh, 97 uh, semi final and final in just a, a little while but you, you bring up an interesting point I mean Paulie's been heavily involved in your football career all the way through a successful under 21 I think you went back to back All-Irelands that, that under 21 team yeah we won in 95 and, and 96 we beat Mayo and one year and Cavan the next year and uh, I suppose we were we were a, a, a core team that then went on to be involved in, in the 96 success of the Munster final against against Cork uh, I was playing that day myself there was about 8 or 9 of the under 21 team on it so that was a really good core and a building block for Pawdy because he obviously got involved in the under 21s in, in 95 and then 96 he actually was manager of under 21s and, and the senior team so there was a really nice core and uh of lads plus a nice blend of experience go- going with some of the older lads obviously Morris Fitz up front and he used some great stalwarts to name and Breen and Liam Flaherty and of course the man to my left here Billy O'Shea as well um, that were kind of you know helping to lead the way along with Stephen Stack then was an old man he was coming to the end of his days at that stage but he managed to drag another All-Ireland out of himself <laughs> Billy O'Shea indeed has joined us Billy thanks very much for uh, making the trip out to us this afternoon um, you were an All-Ireland winner with Kerry in 97 won an All-Ireland club with um Lawn Rangers as well. Mm. There's a, an interesting story about the 97 final. Would you, is it okay is for it, you to. It, what happened? Can you I, tell us about I, it? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Morris Fitz the, um, broke your leg. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I remember that already. Yeah. Is this true? Because we were, we were doing a bit of research and thinking. Yeah. I, this, I don't actually remember the specifics of the incident. And obviously, in the winning of an All Ireland, stories like this can uh, recede a little bit. Perhaps you'd, you'd care to remind us exactly yeah, what happened. It was, it was an unfortunate incident for myself anyway. Um, it was our first All-Ireland uh, since 1986. And of course, it, uh, everybody was very optimistic and hopeful. And you know, we, we were very focused actually before the game, I remember. Because Pawdy, I think the year before was a great learning curve. It was Pawdy's first year at senior level. Um, we, had beaten, we were beaten in the semi-final by Mayo and we didn't perform well at all. And the reason being, and we might call it straight, is that the Munster final celebrations took place for too long. And it was the first time we had beaten Cork and Cork in 10 years. I think they end up at this point into a point of Porter, and there's myself and Mick Galway, Pawdy, and uh, Seamus McGarrett. And that made the Kerryman. And it, it, while it looked good at the time, it, I don't think it was well received after the Mayo game anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they blamed that single point. <laughs> mm. no, I, no, that was just a. One example of, of what was a very good evening, but um, and we're back to Fitzy breaking your leg. Yeah, I, was, I was doing my best. I was trying to get away from that, you know. But fair play to you. Um, yeah, ninety-seven. I had a collision with Morris Fitz. Uh, it was pretty early on in the match. I think it was about fifteen or sixteen minutes into the first half. Uh, great ball done by. I remember the incident clearly. Great ball by Liam Flaherty into me. I passed it on to Derek Kinnear, going for the one-two. I think Kenneth Mortimer had just got a fist in. The ball broke, and I was I was going down to pick it up. All I heard was leave it and. <laughs> so mm. it was very funny because my brother said to me afterwards, he said, "What did you do that for?" I said, "What did I do what for?" He said, "Why did you get in Fitzy's way?" I said, "How do you mean?" He said, "He was going to fly kick that ball over the bar. We'd never again see something like that in Croke Park." <laughs> so I didn't have any sympathy from any quarter at all after. But um, thankfully, from a Kerry point of view, Morris remained focused after that because you know he was a bit upset at the time. There was a bit of a delay for about five or six minutes, and I remember saying, "Like you all right?" He said, "Look, I'm fine. Don't worry about it." And in fairness, he went on to play 
probably one of the greatest individual performances in any All-Ireland. Do you know what was better again was when that happened there was six or seven minutes of a delay and you had to be taken off the pitch and actually it, w- it was over on the right side mm-hmm. um, it, 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 the opposite end to the to the um, to the Hill 16 yeah it was on, under the Hogan stand and it was on the left side and he actually plonked it down off the ground took it with his left popped it over the bar from a very very hard angle over by the sideline now yeah. halfway over and uh, to do that and have that kind of countenance and, and to be relaxed enough to do that and then but as if you, you say, actually look back to the semi-final game against Kevin um, he tried that in the first in the second half in the last 10 minutes I don't know if you recall that but mm. I, rem- I remember seeing that game lately and he tried it and he fluffed it mm. so it wasn't a case like this uh, you know, this was once off. He had been trying it before. It didn't work in the semi-final against Kevin, but come the All-Ireland Day, he, he, he just nailed it. It's, it's definitely one. I know in, in 2001, when um, he got that kick against Dublin uh, in Thurless, Jason Sherlock is right now. He doesn't like I don't kick. remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that kick from the sideline, remember that, to, to draw the game. Like, that was one fabulous kick. But I would actually rate the kick with his left leg off the ground from the 14-yard line. And the All Ireland in '97 is definitely one of the greatest kicks yeah. ever. From the left hand side, yeah. from the left hand, no, from the right from corner the right, forward right. position. Okay. With, with his left leg. leg, it was an amazing kick. Um, considering that he is predominantly a right leg kicker. And you, that wasn't obviously showing off. That was saying this oh, is yeah. the, this is the this is the leg that I need for this <laughs> kick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which was just showed how you know relaxed he was when it came to free taking. Yeah, I might get to the uh, semi final that year because you didn't actually play in that semi final, Killian. But we'll get that in a moment. Jason Sherlock, you're very welcome. Thank you, Jer. Um, nice of you to, to join us this afternoon. You've been playing football this morning. I have, I have. We're just after playing uh, Dingle, so uh, we got a win, which was it has its positives and its, its negatives. <laughs> it means that we've another game. So uh, yeah, we just a quick stop there, lads. Having soup and sandwich, and then we're we're going to get into this sea down on Ventry Beach. We've we've seen so many magical players from Kerry over the years. Maybe it might do us a bit of good. You're so, actually uh, going to get into the water. Yeah, we're it's doing a bit cold. of a recovery <laughs> session now. So uh, I have to say, you're looking fresh this morning, Jerry. Yeah, thanks very much. You weren't like that last. Night. I left at half eleven though. We, we had, we had I would tell you you were in here last night. Now you you looked at home from home. It was like coppers away from home last night. Here it, so, was, uh, it was very uh, reminiscent of coppers. Wasn't it? <laughs> it was pretty busy, but I thought you guys were only on the Lucas Aids. I wasn't sure. We were we were gone at half eleven, so it was worthwhile after the result today. But yeah. um, I think it's part of it. it. Was great even just for the half an hour that we were here to be in in Paddy's pub. You know, um, obviously we, we understand the significance of the tournament, particularly this year. So. One, it was great. It was an honour to be asked. Potty had, had met me before Christmas. I work in the Louis Fitzgerald Hotel up in Dublin and he called in. And to be asked to play in the tournament was great. So um, I had been in Ventry. We played uh, Kerry in a challenge match down here in Gualtex Pitch in 96, I think mm, it was. Mickey right. Whelan uh, was manager. And that was the last time I was down in Ventry. So, um, it's I an st- amazing place, isn't it? Ah, it's unbelievable. Like the, the one thing, I've been in Kerry a few times over the year. And the amount of respect that Kerry supporters have for, for Dublin players, it's something that... You mightn't get from every county, but when you came down here, they appreciated. And even this morning, Tommy Griffin was up at the up at the match and that, and just having a chat with him. It was great to see. Um, I also remembered it being down in Ventry, having a game of pool, and all the kids talking Osquelga. And it was just fascinating as well. So I brought me a Kunisatatu t-shirt here today, just in case. But um, yeah, it, like I think it, it, this isn't just a football tournament. You know, it, it's a part of our our culture and our heritage. And I was only thinking on the way down. You have the Railway Cup final in Crow Park tomorrow. What if it was down in, in Kerry this weekend? What a what a spectacle it would be, considering you have what 1,300 players down here this weekend, um, and they're they're struggling for a crowd in Crow Park tomorrow. But um, no, um, as I said, we have another game, so and we still have another night to get ahead. Uh, to get through as well yeah yeah so if you win today you're into the final tomorrow is that right 
Yeah. Apparently so, yeah. But yeah. we take one game as it comes. I <laughs> might, throw, might throw this one so they can get away with tonight. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, th- th- let's talk a little bit more about Paddy because you know it, it, we were talking a bit before earlier on about um, how important it is. But Billy, from your perspective, having Paddy as a, a manager and being part of that team, what did he bring? What were the, the, the qualities as a manager that he brought that allowed that Kerry team to kind of break the, the in Kerry terms, the famine? He brought a freshness about him um, when he came in. I first got involved with Paddy in 1993 when he took over the Kerry Under-21 team. And that particular minor uh, Under-21 team had lost the minor final to me with Graeme Geherty and Enda McManus. And there was myself and Seamus Moyne and Declan O'Keefe. They would have gone on to senior levels uh, in the respective counties. And in 93, we lost to me again by more or less the two same teams by a similar score. But Paddy had come in at that stage and there was a real buzz about him about him even in training he'd get involved himself in training like he was ferociously enthusiastic and very proud to be of Kerry and I think that that had rubbed off every player that he'd been associated with and you wanted to play for him that was the beauty about him he was an infectious character he'd never really kind of really give out to you as such he'd advise you but he wouldn't be given out in fact the only fellow I can never recall getting given out to is this fellow <laughs> we played a challenge match over in Brosna against Kildare and it was the first time he actually aggressively went after him now he could go after him because he was fond of him so there was no problem there because he knew he could take it now if it was another younger fellow he probably wouldn't but Paddy would be cute enough that way he'd know who he could talk to and he'd know who he'd have to be careful with yeah. and he was very good like that um, after 93 he stayed with the under 21s and then in 96 um, actually it was late 95 I was the captain at the time because my club Long Rangers won the county championship so I was I would have been his first captain at senior level. And he was a joy to work with. There was never anything really complicated about the way he did things. It was nice, it was simple, it was structured, but it was full of heart. And that's why he wanted to be associated with someone like that. That's what I think he actually brought to the, the table. And I heard it earlier, he played that clip on YouTube of him mentoring the, the Westmead yeah. footballers. That's exactly the way he was. And you'd be buzzing, you'd be lifted after, the, after a training session or even before a game. You'd just feel a buzz about it and you'd go out and you'd rip through the wall there. Yeah, Killian, he managed you the whole way through, really. Yeah, me as well. Yeah, uh, we lost, we lost ninety two and ninety three minors badly uh, to Cork last minute goals and all that. So we were a, we were a distraught kind of bunch of young fellas. <laughs> and then we we got on board in ninety four. I was actually captain of the under twenty ones in ninety four. I was just, I was, uh, it was my first year involved. And uh, South Kerry had won whatever the year before. So we we actually lost to, to Cork by two points. But then then we started in ninety five. Obviously we had the success with him and, and really from there there was five or six years of just in fairness it was it just clicked like you know I mean the, the, the under 21 success straight into the senior um, a couple of setbacks in 80, uh, 98 99 and then we, we came back in 2000 and like he he was I mean I he was a unique character like in every sense of the world I think he he uh, you know he was a wild man he was he was a rogue he was a wild man he definitely had his own clock you know there was no 95 with Paddy I mean it, I've been working on, on the Comortis for a good many years now and like there was you know he might call you at half one in the morning to talk about Jesus we have a team now and we're going up to keep bringing a bunch of American footballers down what do you think of that his mind was on overdrive the whole time but he always took good counsel as well from people you know um, and he didn't suffer fools I, back in 97 uh, one man that's worth, worth mentioning it's a local man here she- Seamus McArdleton he was he was involved with the team I as a kind of, I suppose he was a, an a assistant guide. manager, really. He was a guide. <laughs> he was, a, gu- he was. <laughs> a guide, a guide. Yeah, he was. He was like um, 
uh, I mean, he he had good counsel for Paddy, and Paddy took it. I, actually, w- w- when Paddy was buried, uh, I was chatting to Seamus about about a time that they were going back. It was heading in after the league. The league had finished, and it was kind of like you know about maybe a month or five weeks to go before it was hitting the big time, the championship. And they were driving back together to training in in, in Killarney, and he used to always take us behind the goals, maybe halfway through a match, you know, and he'd gather us around in the circle and he'd deliver a bit of a sermon and. Um, so anyway, Seamus was coming back to him in the car and uh, they, they pulled in and Seamus had 10 points that he'd worked on for about a week or 10 days, you know, like this, you know, really insightful stuff about how this team could get better, you know, and he pulled Paddy in for about a, about 40 minutes and went through the whole thing with him, you know, and how, and you need to say this to the lads, like, you know, and, and uh, the first thing he said was, look, you're going to have to go off the drink now. He says, if you want those lads to go off the drink, you're going to have to do it too, you know, we're heading into the business end of the year. Then he went through the whole thing about backs and forwards and, you know, playing as a unit and all this kind of stuff. So then he went into training and uh, and I remember, and Billy will remember as well, that, you know, halfway through the session, he said, right, let's come on down, we'll get on behind the goals. And, you know, the hands would be out like this and the fingers would be kind of, you know, between each other. And he'd, he'd have the head down, he'd be going around in a circle and, and delivering all his points. And, geez, he was, we were all, of course, we'd break through walls for the man. At that stage, we were young and impressionable. Everything he said, you know, made a lot, an awful lot of sense but um, he went through all the points anyway in the end he was making great great points in the end he looked at Seamus in the end he said no Seamus have you anything to add to that <laughs> <laughs> and of course Seamus said no you think you've, had, you've said it all there <laughs> so he was a great man to take counsel and use it yeah. and sometimes claim it, <laughs> claim it. I, um, I suppose I had first hand experience of Paddy's his, his Kerry cuteness now when he took over the Westmead job and um, at the time that we, we played them in a challenge match in their first game um, it was against it was at the start of the year um, up in St. Jude's his pitch to open the pitch and myself and Darren Holman were leaving um, the grounds and we saw Paddy he said are you okay Paddy I said oh, I have to get down to a pub down the road and I said sure we'll drop you down so um we went, we dropped them down. He said, will you come in and have a, have a point, lads? I said, we'll have one with you. There's no harm there. So uh, he sat down and goes, lads, I think I'm after making an awful mistake here. And me and Darren are oh, well, sure, if you think things are bad in Westmead, wait and we tell you what's happening in Dublin at the, to- at the time. So, of course, we spilled our hearts about all the, the rights and wrongs with Dublin football at the time. And sure, lo and behold, a few months later, who's beating us in the first round of the Leinster Championship? Only party. So I suppose after that, I kind of thought to myself, maybe there was a bit more method to it madness then back then you know but I suppose that summed them up <laughs> yeah the piece that um, Dara wrote recently in the Irish Times was full of this kind of stuff that there was a, a public perception of Paddy that he was quite happy to allow to be cultivated but actually the truth was, was quite different that there was this intense love of football but a real understanding that to get the best from his players and his team one of the things that um, Dara said was that he'd, he'd get on side with the mothers and make contact with all the mothers to make sure that they were actually doing his job for him in terms of disciplining and ins- inspiring the, the uh, sons and, and that the days after matches sometimes just to be roguish about it he'd ring the mass to see what excuses they'd make for the lads who were out in the piss mm. celebrating their, their famous victory and it's funny we, we kind of didn't get to hear all that kind of stuff about Paddy while he was alive mm. which mm. You, you kind of wish we had now at this stage yeah yeah no, I mean he, he had uh, he had a great common touch about him and he knew that there was a value to it and uh and so that, that, that was always the case, you know, when it, when it came to things like the Comortus, he'd always have, you know, a handwritten note, Oscar Elga to the Taoiseach to invite him. He'd, uh, I remember back in my own time, he, he delivered the great news to my mother that I was picked for the All-Ireland Final in 97. I remember we, we, I wasn't sure what was going on. We, were, we, we got out of the Glen Eagle, we had a bit of a, a jacuzzi and uh, 
it was myself and Mike Hassett that was up for grabs because there was, was kind of up, all of a sudden there was only one place since the, from the Cavan game and uh, it was on tender hooks for sure and I, me- I remember we, we left there still in, in the black about the whole thing and we got home anyway and arrived home the, and the phone the phone call was made and he, he delivered the news to my mother and then passed the phone to me and says don't fucking let me down now you I'm after batting for you <laughs> so, so I tried not to but uh, he was always good to keep the women on side yeah. tell us about why you weren't uh, nailed on for that position in the final you missed the semi I missed the semi I was um, I was everything was grand and uh, the Saturday before the, the Saturday a week before the, the All-Ireland semi-final I got a small bit of a bite down in Killarney and uh it was obviously well into the summertime and as it turned out it was a mosquito bite and I believe we've no mosquitoes here but there was some, some sort of a drift that came up from Spain anyway and uh, got a bite and by Monday I had a, a fever and I was brought into brought into Tralee General and I was there till Friday on a drip and PO came into me a few times and I was of course still raring to go because I knew at this stage like if you if you lose that that chance there's only one game left you know yeah. and if, if the cornerback that replaces you plays well then you're not going to get your spot. It's as simple as that. It's one of those positions that you can't really take a fella out if he's done well the the game before, especially when it's it's it, the stakes are really high. And uh, you might be able to do it with a forward, you know, a marquee forward, but not for a back. So, so uh, unfortunately, yeah, by the Friday, I I togged out actually, but there was no question I was going to really play. I did I did a run out the Sunday morning. We used to go to Blackrock mm. College for a run out, and. Uh, and I was—I thought I was perfect or whatever, but I suppose the reality was sure I was going to be weak as water anyway. But it, it all turned out well because I didn't get to mark Larry Riley, and it, 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 he did wreck on Morgan O'Shea. <laughs> he had a good afternoon, all right. Actually, I recall that um, that incident with with Killian, and like he'd been playing very good that year, and it was an unfortunate thing to happen to him. It's a weird thing to happen. It's a weird thing. Well, he does attract funny people. Now this guy here—you have to look. Like, anybody who can attract a mosquito down in Killarney is a fair a fair character, and that is Killian. There's no doubt. But I, I saw a side of Pawdy, and it, it actually was the first time that I saw him really kind of upset about the team picking. And this was in 97. Mike Hassett was the captain. Um, Killing was playing better football. He couldn't but pick him. And we were inside in the jacuzzi in Killarney on the Thursday, no, it was the Wednesday night, I think, because they announced the team on the Thursday. But we got the phone call that night when we got home. I got the phone call to say that I would be starting in the corner. And it was awkward because I was marking Mike in training. He was my clubmate. So it was a very, very awkward scenario. But in fairness, I saw a party in the jacuzzi that night. And he was upset when telling Mike that he wasn't going to make it. Because he was the captain of the team. Yeah. And it was a very awkward and delicate situation. And, and Lee, was I, on, Lee was on the team, of course. Lee, was on, Lee and his brother was on it as well. And he took that really upset party to have to make that call. That was the had to make in footballing terms. Because he did describe it one time that... Of the best players he had, Mike Hassett would be always be in his top three. And Mike was a class act, but he just Classic. wasn't having the particular season to justify him being picked on the team that day. And Killian deserved it and got it. But I remember seeing Paulie that day. It was the one time I really saw him upset. Is there mad pressure on teams who are trying to, to break uh, a long barren spell? Did you guys feel mad pressure when you finally did it? Um, you can't really, you can't really look like look at it like that way. You have to take each year individually. And like there was a time I know a good friend of mine, Mick Alvin, who played with Dublin for a number of years. He never played against Kerry in a, in a championship, championship match. So like Kerry went through a period where Cork had the had the run on them. Um, Dublin have gone.
and they went from 83 to 95 and then 95 to 2011 so as much as people are saying Dublin football is healthy at the moment we still have to continue winning all Ireland's because there has been too many gaps um, you would like to think um, I know there was a lot of um, a lot said about the game between Dublin and Kerry there a couple of weeks ago but I think it only proved or only demonstrated that maybe uh, Dublin's strength and depth is a bit uh, greater than Kerry's at the moment I think come championship the 15 players Kerry will have on the on the pitch will be probably more talented than what Dublin can have but uh, it does show that probably Dublin from an underage point of view are in a better position Um, I think Darrow Shea is involved with the 21s again this year down here and it was a comment he made to me there last year that he felt physically that the Kerry Kerry boys they probably haven't invested as much in in the kind of strength and conditioning which is the norm now up in the likes of Dublin and up the north and all that so um, no obviously from a Dublin point of view I would hope that we're coming into a purple patch from Dublin and we can kind of get a few All-Irelands in a row does that almost conversely to, to go back to the question about the um, the pressure there is a massive win behind Dublin at the moment and there is a benefit in having that so that the team always takes the field with a little bit of extra confidence oh yeah there's no question you have to go, go be confident particularly when results are going well but in saying that Dublin had been told they were bottlers they were chokers and all the rest and it, the only way to stop that was winning and eventually it came now to be fair on the day in 2011 Kerry were probably by far the better team but it didn't really matter because Dublin were, were the winners at the end and like I'd look at a, t- a team like Mayo I, I've been very impressed with them but traditionally because they haven't had that All-Ireland success people are writing them off but to be fair to James Horan I think th- there's mentally I think they're a lot stronger and yeah. you can just see a bit of a bite there that they don't have the baggage that potentially other teams other Mayo teams that came to Crow Park had yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised if they were a big contender again this year Yeah, you guys didn't have any baggage in 97 either it's kind of like teams teams who lose well, have, I, I, I had a lot of baggage at, <laughs> you, yeah? I broke onto the scene in 91 uh, and played till 2000 so from 91 to, to 96 really they were barren years and I'll tell you it was tough going now to be, to be playing with Kerry at the time because the, the criticism that was levelled toward you was untold you know it, as I remember going back to Dukes one day playing golf and the, some fella said this is Billy O'Shea here he's playing with Kerry and the man turned and he said sure we wouldn't recognise a Kerry footballer today you know and that's the way it was perceived at the time so you had that continuing from 88 I suppose until around 96 and then from 96 onward then it, it really did take off and we were certainly recognised as a Kerry footballer after 96 to be honest mm-hmm. but it was tough times to be honest and, and that did then have some pressure extra on 97 for you guys well I suppose if you look at the elder members of the team um, you'd be looking at Morris Fitz Stephen Stack Eamon Breen Liam Flaherty and myself Sean Burke was on the panel as well Sean was a great soldier and I, I, I wouldn't say pressure no I, I think that's where Paddy came into it he gelled the under 21 side um, with the more senior players he gelled them very well and he brought a bit of a bond together because what can happen with teams with, with different ages that they'll take to their own um, they'll cut their own cloth as such you know, and there can, there can be that bit of a division but in fairness he was a great man to bring people together and he did bring a nice mix and gel to the team in 96 and 97 you know what he brought to it which I thought was nice was, was the whole the whole very recent heritage of actually a great team that was now it had fizzled out a bit obviously since 86 and he he played on a little bit as much as he could but he, he brought because he was only about 40 that, at that stage he was quite you know we're, yeah. we're pushing that direction ourselves and like so <laughs> you know yourself. yeah you know and he probably half thought he could tug out himself at this stage you know at, at that stage of his career and, but what he brought was that kind of uh, this is what we did 
you know and we were winners like yeah. and, and he brought this kind of complete calmness that this was just an absolute rite of passage to be going up to Dublin to Crow Park he had it all planned out because he, he had done it himself several occasions so he, he completely took all that out of us tickets there was no talk of tickets there was no, none of that kind of stuff we probably lost the run of ourselves a bit in the Munster final and he did it himself but when it came to 97 all you know, all learned. those lessons have been learned, and he what he brought was the great stuff, the heritage that was there, um, you know, and and that that's what made you kind of just do whatever he asked you to do, you know. And he did put in the effort himself. There's no doubt about it. Like I mean, he was a man, man of two halves, very much. You know, he wintered well and whatever else. But when it came to the springtime, he he felt like he had that bite, as you said. He took part in some of the training sessions. He'd have a bite in his step. You know what I mean? There was yeah. a very different party in '97 than there was to '96, mm-hmm. and you could see it. You could see it actually at the start of the year because the league back then we would have been playing from October to December yeah. before Christmas. You'd have three, or maybe four games beforehand, and then you would have your the balance of the the league and afterwards before you hit championship. But in '97 there was a different party after Christmas in '97. Whatever it is, I'd say he just decided that this, this was it. And I remember in '97 as well. It worked out wonderfully from from our point of view because you actually had a four week gap between every championship match, and it was perfect for party. He actually penned it out. He said, "Well, this is going to work like this, lads." We'll have a hard 10 days after our championship match. All ball for the next week in games and then settle down for the last week and get ready for the match. And it just worked perfectly in 97. Everything just seemed to fall into place from 97. I was delighted from that respect. Yeah. Um, one of the points that Jason brought up about uh, the, the current Kerry team is pretty interesting listening to you guys talk about the, the tradition and the heritage and how beneficial that is. I, I totally agree with Jason. I think that the current thing is like a rope-a-dope type where they're lulling us all into this false sense of security before the, the summer emerges and yet I've just seen the face you made there Billy it's like you, you know <laughs> they're, they're, the crisis is real or not yeah look at the moment Kerry are experimenting and when you do experiment it's obviously going to you're going to have to make tough calls in, in, with young fellas you know how long do you actually leave them there before you see enough of them to say right you're not going to cut it um, and Amy Fitzmaurice is the kind of guy I'd say he's, he'd be a patient kind of an individual and that he'd be hoping to see a lot of these lads at this time of the year and not panic and hopefully try and get a result against Kildare uh, next weekend. He does have the Crokes lads coming back, but what we saw last weekend, you know, wasn't really awe-inspiring and I thought a lot of the Crokes lads had an off day. So hopefully they'll be coming back with, uh, with the attitude that they have to perform a, a lot better. I know they're giving Gooch now a bit of a break, which is a good thing. That boy has played an awful lot of football and he needs a bit of a break as well because you could see there was a bit of a burnout about him the last day. He was getting very frustrated with every tackle that was going in and, and when he starts getting frustrated like that, you know, he, he does tend to turn off a small bit. Yeah. Class act, but just maybe needs a bit of a break. But I, I still think it's going to be a tough year for Kerry. I genuinely do. I think that there's, there's an awful lot of good players that are gone and that the young fellas coming in, and I think you were referring to the earlier, Jason, about um, the type of training and conditioning, I think is the word now that they're using. I don't think the skill factor is a problem. I think it is down to conditioning. And we don't seem to have the physical strength at the moment that you would be seeing with other National League teams. But that's easy enough to, to rectify, isn't it? You can do that between now and the Championship. Oh yeah, you can, but to be fair, Kerry are the most talented county in Ireland as far as I'm concerned in terms of the skill level that they have and they never had to rely on the strength and condition. It was probably up until the, the Tyrone team came in the in the 90s that actually physically brought a new dimension to the tackle and all that that Kerry kind of took it on board. Now, to be fair, they're probably playing 
like they're behind the eight ball straight away because it, it was so common in, in from Ulster and then into Dublin and that but in saying that I personally wouldn't like to see a Kerry team play like with 13 men behind the ball and having two forwards it, w- it would be alien to what Kerry do and I think the game would suffer as a consequence um, I do think though at this time of year fitness is a great leveller there's no question that some inter-county teams are on a higher level of fitness than, than others and I've no doubt that like Kerry men are very proud I'm sure that they know they're in a corner now and, and the only way out of that is to, to perform on the pitch so in a way it's a great position to, for Eamon Fitzmaurice to be in obviously he had his own playing commitments with the, with the club Fanoog as well so um, I'm sure now he's at a 24-7 so uh, I, I have no doubt that come the, come the summer Kerry will be there thereabouts Yeah Killian, what do you make of the, the poor mate that's going on at the moment? Uh, I don't know I mean I, I think the whole the whole issue like strength and conditioning is a buzzword in Kerry now at the moment because uh, kind of feel we're definitely whether it's a perception or a fact it's probably more Everything a fact Terry Kiernan <laughs> Yeah Terry Kiernan who's Kerry but um, yeah uh, not really uh, horses for horses there but uh, in terms of football in terms of football we probably are maybe a little bit behind in, in the way we kind of knit things up between maybe under 16 development squads up to minor under 21 keeping lads interested in the thing I was talking to a fellow who's got a, a kid from that he's a carryman living in Dublin his kid is on an under 12 development squad a North Dublin one there's a South Dublin one 30 lads on it now this is this is how you work towards producing inter-county footballers and then besides that there's the club game and the enjoyment of all of that and my view is under 10s under 12s they should be playing football and pretty much that's it and maybe developing the skills of the game a little bit but you know you probably have to look because they're almost two different games in a way you know the inter-county game you need to produce the best you can so you need to nurture that if you identify lads at the age of 14 or 15 and they've got real talent you need to get them excited as excited as they would have God, I could go to a Munster Rugby Academy. Yeah. You need to feel you could go to a Kerry Football Academy, and you need to be getting that common touch. The party was so good at actually of bringing them right the way up. Um, I think that's going to take a long time. Dublin got their act together years ago. Tipperary have got their act together for football wise. Lots of counties have, and Kerry maybe. And it's very easy to generalise and say we sat on laurels. We always did rely on talent, you know, um, a little bit. I think the modern game has completely changed. I was 11.5 stone when I won my first All-Ireland in 97. I don't think you're getting 11.5 stone cornerback anymore. Um, I think the, t- the game is completely advanced now, but Eamon is, is embraces that. I know he does, I've, uh, you know, in terms of strength and conditioning and all that. I think this year, if we have all our experienced players fit and able we'll definitely tackle up to all our semi-final stage I'm not sure if we'll go beyond that but I think in the meantime that'll allow maybe for one more year to see if we can get one or two more players because there's no absolute towers of men coming through that you can say Jesus there's great you know bite or anticipation coming in, in that you, you'd want to go to an under 21 game Dara's doing his bit now and he's, and he's working with what he has but you know as he said it, you have to give a tiny bit of time to, to aim and to, to bed himself in a little bit but I don't think he'll take too many more experimental chances I think he'll, he'll wait more in favour of experience to get a couple of points on the board and then we'll see how it is a bit later in the league then you know yeah. the, one, the one thing Gerard that I think that we've always been very lucky to don't hear with is that the, the stats will show we, Kerry have not won a minor on Ireland since 94 okay, which is an awful long time but yet we've still been able to produce the seniors or senior results I should say and that's because we've always been very lucky that one or two good minors have always kept coming through and uh, kept the conveyor belt going and from that point of view that probably st- stitched over the cracks a small bit you know where you were talking about the, the fundamentals of, of development at underage and stuff like that we were able to get by 
by just having one or two coming through all the time. And it, it probably, it's kind of a false stone, really, to be honest with you. And we, it's something that we probably have to correct now, and I think it has to go back to that level if they are to bring it forward in the future. Yeah, obviously, I don't know if you were, if those systems were in place when you were coming through, Jason, but you did play all sports as a kid. You know, you were uh, really high-level basketball, really high-level soccer as well. Killian's idea of kids only playing the games and working exclusively on the skills it seems like a good one it seems like a good blueprint for people to stay interested particularly when as a kid there are a lot of temptations yeah well personally from my point of view any any kid i'd want them to be enjoying it first first and foremost i think that has to be the whole the motivation and winning comes way down the line but first and foremost he has to enjoy it and participate in it um I, i think it's very easy to get a team fit and strong I think a lot of managers now have have earned their corn by getting teams strong and disciplined um, and and that's quite easy to do the the hard part is to add to that which to be fair the likes of Donegal and Dublin have done they've added the kind of quality in terms of their football and that has kind of put them a step ahead when Dublin won a couple of years ago and Donegal last year Um, and that's I suppose the challenge for most teams it's getting the balance as I said you go back to last weekend and and Croaks and Ballymun Ballymun as far as I'm concerned are probably the fittest club team I've ever seen in terms of what they put in they commit like a, an inter-county team and I always had a feeling that they might be just too strong physically for a Croaks team and they were going to get bodies around Gooch now I personally don't like that as a spectacle but at the same time Ballymun have done nothing wrong they're playing within the games it's up for other teams to come up with a, a, a way of doing of beating teams like that and the best way to be a lot more skillful and moving the ball a bit quicker um, and, and that's what I'd rather teams focus on instead of everyone just trying to be big and strong because then you're just having a game of athletes um, I always felt when I grew up there was always a position for any, any footballer big or small Killian just mentioned there he was a light cornerback obviously I was a very light forward um, we're gone a bit like rugby now where unless you're X foot high and X stone and weight and you can run in a certain distance over a certain time good luck and thanks and I think that's unfortunate because it is kind of souring a lot of guys from GA. Do you think now in today's game if you were to emerge that you wouldn't get the chance to play inter-county football? Well, I, I, yeah. That's a bit harsh. No, I, I think it's, well, it's true. Like, I got dropped off a panel in 2000 and, and what, I was at 10 because I wasn't big enough or I wasn't strong enough. So that was the reality of inter-county football for, for that manager. So yeah, that's the real, reality of football. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's true. Um, and whether I'd, I'd like to see other guys that are skillful lose out like that, no, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd certainly like to think there was a place for them. So, um, But, again, that it's I suppose the manager that's in, in charge, it's up to him to decide what way to go. Well, Killian can fix it for you because he's fixing the rules of uh, Gaelic football at the moment as mm. part of the review committee. So there you go. Uh, can we you did, fix we, this? We for didn't us? actually put a motion forward to, for the benefit of smaller, <laughs> smaller footballers. Um, skillful footballers. <laughs> skillful, yes, yes. We're definitely trying to protect the game of football and protect the, the key skills that make it unique. But um, none specific to Jo's uh, resurrection into intercounty <laughs> football. <laughs> you never know. Two more matches this weekend, Killian. Well, you never it. know. Yeah, Scouts are down. Four small players per team. The new rule that uh, Killian's just suggested for us here on News Talk this afternoon. Listen, uh, for anybody who's just tuned in, we're, we're broadcasting live from Polly O'Shea's Pub Inventory. We're here for the uh, Cuisine de France Eurospar Comortis Pella. The 24th year, the 25th year, I presume, is going to be even bigger, Killian. Yeah, we're, well, Polly always wanted to see if he could get 32 counties playing. So that, that that's a big ask. We went international because of the gathering. This was his personal contribution to the gathering. And uh, with the help of the likes of Cuisine de France and Eurospar and all our local sponsors, then we, we might just make it happen and make the 25th biggest and best yet. Yes! <laughs> <laughs>
Jason, we're going to let you go and climb into the sea. Um, hopefully it's not as cold as it looks, but uh, I think it is just the a wind natural ice here. It's bitter. Uh, my thanks to Billy O'Shea as well. My thanks to Killian Burns too. We're going to have uh, Mark and Tomas O'Shea with us after about four o'clock this afternoon. We're going to throw you back to uh, Joe in head office in a couple of minutes. He's going to run you through the uh, team news for the three o'clock kickoffs and then talk about uh, football with Dan McDonnell. And uh, we've also got a brilliant rugby preview with Eddie O'Sullivan and Liam Tolan coming up as well. Keep it right here on News Talk Sports Saturday. News Talk Sport, Saturday, in association with UPC, the fibre power network that delivers Ireland's fastest broadband.